So we've found ourselves once again meeting like this online. I'm glad that you're with us. And um, over the next couple weeks, we're going to be talking about this issue of what's at our core. Who did God create us to be? What does he desire from us? What does he want? This aspect of who God created us to be, there's this issue that we're going to talk about this week and think about this week. As we go through our daily lives, uh, we've got to make sure that, that we are walking without judgment. If you've been on any type of social media lately, um, there are folks who would have called, who call themselves good and kind and gentle, well-meaning people, and yet, they've, they've been saying things that one might call public shaming or, or judging. This judgmental attitude of others, especially in the face of this global pandemic. It seems like everyone has an opinion. You know, if we're going to stay true to the message of Jesus Christ, folks, there isn't any room in our emotional, our intellectual, our social, or our spiritual toolbox. We don't have room for an arrogant mindset that diminishes others through judging them. There's no room for anything that pushes people down instead of lifting them up. In the video that we just watched, a judgmental attitude was expressed because this person didn't have enough information, and the information they had was incorrect. As they were thinking through, it was just a misunderstanding about how quick he was to judge. You know, more times than not, when, when we choose to judge someone, it doesn't speak about them it doesn't. It speaks about us. It speaks about what's going on in our heart and what it's speaking isn't flattering at all. A judgmental attitude can be a reflection of the fact that there's sin, that we're harboring some sin in our heart. You know, it's always easier to shift the attention off of yourself onto someone else. That's exactly what judging does rather than addressing the issue of our own heart. You know, when we judge others, especially as Christians, what we're doing is we're telling the world something about who we are. And what we're telling them isn't that we're reflecting Jesus Christ. Staying true to the message of Jesus has to touch every area of our life. Not just, not just our quiet time in the morning, but absolutely every area if, if we are a follower of Jesus, we've got to understand that this is a really wide scope. It touches everything in our lives. God created us in such a way that at our core, at, you, could, you could even say in our DNA, he created us in such a way that we have exactly what we need to respond to our surroundings like Jesus. But just because a resource has been made available to us. Just because these godly characteristics are put within us, it doesn't mean that we'll ever be forced to use them. You know, think of it this way. 
if the doctors and the nurses and the first responders, the, the uh, medical workers, if they had access to um, a plethora, a bounty of PPE, and that stands for personal protective equipment. So let's say that they have uh, this, this all that they need, the gloves, the gowns, the masks, the, the goggles, and yet in the face of having all that they need, they, they choose not to use that equipment not to keep themselves and, and others safe. I know that would never happen, but um, then if that person became ill, if they were exposed to this deadly virus, I think easily we would all say, well, well they were reckless. They were careless. They were foolish. They were irresponsible. They had what they needed, and they opted not to use it. In our world right now, what we're hearing is the exact opposite. They're begging for these kinds of equipment. Now let's apply that same kind of thought to humanity. You know, we're all created with these resources, these characteristics of God that are, are, are in all of us, available to all of us. But that doesn't mean that we're all going to choose to use them. But as Christians, especially as people who say that I am a follower of Jesus Christ, if we are choosing not to use these, these God-like characteristics that are placed within us, it, it's careless, it's reckless, it's foolish, it's irresponsible, but worse than that, it's sinful. In our DNA, God has placed within each of us, every single one of us, the resources that we need to be gracious, to be kind, to be patient, to be compassionate, to be charitable, to be loving, to be forgiving, and so much more. These resources are available for us to use, all of us. We were created in the image of God. And that means that from the get-go, the intention has been that we are to be agents of peace. We got to get in the habit, folks, of putting on our PPE. We got we to gotta get in the habit of putting on the armor of God. And we got to ask ourselves often, my attitude, my words, my approach, the way I spend my time, my heart, am I reflecting Jesus? Am I using these resources that God has placed within me? And if you think that responding like Jesus is an impossibility, because I've heard people say, well, what do you think, I'm Jesus? What do you think, I'm God? No, we don't think you're Jesus. No, we don't think you're God. But we do know that you were created in his image. Deoxyribonucleic acid, DNA for short, this this creation that makes us who we are it's found in all living organisms even viruses have dna and in this dna is this massive amount of genetic information and in its stores in our cells information that can be replicated duplicated repeated and if you took your dna and, and you lined it up end to end, the genetic information stored in your cells, in your cells alone, 
would make this gigantic DNA trail. And if you were traveling at 60 miles an hour and you traveled 24 hours a day, 60 miles an hour, 24 hours a day, you would travel for 841 years before you would reach the end of your DNA trail. 841 years. Folks, that's a lot of information. And that information is packed into every human who walks the face of this earth. Why so much information? Because we were created in the image of this awesome, magnificent, fabulous, amazing God. And so it takes that much information because we were created in his image. We were predestined from the beginning of time to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ. Because everything we need to live like Jesus is already within us. And yet, we have to choose to access. We have to choose to access this resource that's within us. We have to faithfully follow the life of Jesus Christ. We have to choose to live like Jesus lived, to love like Jesus loved, to forgive like Jesus forgive, gave. And we have to call upon these resources that are within us. If you only remember one thing, just one thing from what I'm going to say right now, the thing that I want you to remember is that we've got to choose to access the resources that God placed within us. We've got to faithfully follow Jesus Christ. You can easily say that Jesus is our PPE. He, he has given us everything that we need, everything that we need to serve God and to serve others, everything we need for, for transformational living, where, where we live and embrace this holy lifestyle, everything that we need for renewal that comes through forgiveness, whether we are offering forgiveness or whether we are receiving forgiveness, everything that we need to function as one body that's seeking unity, whether you are a Baptist or a Methodist or a Catholic, to be one body in Christ. Everything we need is already within us. And the foundation, the foundation for, for us not to be judgmental, folks, that's within us also. We have what we need to live in peace with those around us instead of expressing feelings and opinions that cause division. We have what we need to be determined to love no matter the cost. And all of these things were imprinted upon our souls before we were even born. What we choose to do with these godlike characteristics that are in each of us, that's our choice. How are we going to respond? See, this is our DNA. We are called to serve. We are called to seek a holy life. We are called to offer and receive forgiveness. We are called to live a life of unity and to be agents of peace and to love, to love no matter the cost. Romans 8, 28 and 29 says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. 
For God knew his people in advance. God knew us in advance. That's what it's saying. God knew his people in advance. And he chose, he chose them to become like Jesus. It is God's desire that we become like Jesus. He has given us those resources to do just that. We were fearfully and wonderfully made. And that means That before this world, before this universe ever came into being, we belonged to him because we were created in his image. So that means that the very smallest detail of your life to the most overwhelming situation you may face. And for some of you, this this situation of of this this pandemic, it's overwhelming. It may be the, the most overwhelming thing you will ever face. So from the smallest to the most overwhelming, we got to realize God was already aware of all of it. He had full knowledge of what we are facing today and what we will face tomorrow. None of this has caught him by surprise. And yet, no matter the situation, he expects the exact same thing from us. He expects that we are always living like Jesus, whether it is easy or whether it is difficult. Always, always living like Jesus. And that brings us to this issue of being a peacemaker. See, when we hear that phrase, a judgmental attitude, it's often connected to issues of race. And you might go, well, I'm not racist, so obviously I don't have a judgmental attitude. The truth of the matter is, you know, as God's people, we've got to strive to make sure that we dismiss all types of judgment, not just racial judgment, but all kinds of judgment. When you're judging someone on gender, on their past, or their current life choices, their actions, their words, their intellect, their education, their income, or even their appearance, my friend, when we do that, we are on a very slippery slope, and that slippery slope leads just one place. It leads to sin. Matthew 7, verse 2, states this very clearly. God will judge you. In the same manner that you choose to judge others. Jesus is making it real clear here. Before we start judging others, before we start checking out others' lifestyle, their actions, their thoughts, their words, we need to take a look at ourselves. Ignoring what's going on in our own life while judging others. There's a word for that. It's an ugly word, and the word is hypocrisy. I don't know anyone who would ever want to be defined as a hypocrite. The Apostle Paul said, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly. In other words, those of you who know the Lord, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful Not to fall into the same temptation yourself. There's a huge difference between judging and confronting through accountability. That's what this passage is talking about. See, judging is always going to feel like condemnation, criticism. Judging is going to hurt. But confronting through accountability... While it might be difficult to offer, while it might be uncomfortable to receive, it's completely different than judging. Because, see, it comes from this foundation of love and care. 
Judging can easily be described as a, a form of, of bullying. Because its purpose isn't to help. Its purpose isn't to lift up. It doesn't correct. It doesn't teach. It harms and it hurts. But confronting through accountability, and that's what this, this verse was talking about, it, it involves love. When we uh, conf confront through accountability, it means that we want to offer something that's going to be to the benefit of another person. And it reflects elements of, of humility and gentleness and peace. Judging is going to give you this false sense that I am better than someone else, that I am right and you are wrong, that I know what is best and you do not. And when we start thinking like that, we, we begin to feel superior to others. You know, when we have this mindset that, that we, if we make someone else look bad or, or if we make somebody else look wrong, that it makes us look smart or better, nothing's further from the truth. When you push someone down, and that's what judging does, when you push someone down just because you can, it doesn't make you strong, it doesn't make you bold, it doesn't make you courageous, it makes you weak, it makes you cruel. Judging. It's often done behind someone's back. But confronting through accountability requires with love some direct face-to-face -face contact. It's easy to see which one of these is going to exude strength and determination and which one is simply cruel and weak. You know, this week I, I read a story about a, a young lady who, who was beginning her teaching career. Upon her first day as the teacher, the, the principal escorts her into her new classroom to introduce her to her students. She looked out across the room, and as the, the, the principal is saying all these things about her, introducing her, the principal stopped mid-sentence because he realized there was this boy in the classroom that had been in his office on, on multiple occasions over the past few years for all kinds of infractions. The principal stopped, and he pointed at the boy, and he said to the teacher, Oh, this one. He's a troublemaker. You'll need to keep your eye on this young man. The boy's face turned bright red. He shook his head. He put his head down, and he said something, muttering something those around him could hear, and they all laughed. And while this teacher was young and inexperienced, she was wise enough to discern that the principal's act of passing judgment on this boy had, uh, was doing more than just causing him to be embarrassed. She feared that now this, this little boy it was going to have to live up to this reputation of being a bad boy. And so she wrote a note, and after the principal had left, she slipped the note onto the little boy's desk. And what it said was, I think the principal has misunderstood you. You're not a bad boy. I trust that you are going to help me make this classroom the best classroom in this entire school. Years later, the boy, he, he refers to this event. He speaks of it, and he said that that, that principal who passed judgment, 
He wasn't the one that made an impact. It was this teacher who offered these words of accountability. She was holding him accountability. She was offering him love. And not only did he become the epitome of a scholarly student, he grew into one of the town's most respected young men. That's a huge difference between judging and using our words to confront through accountability. How are you using your words? This week, I want you to, I want you to ask yourself, do you have a habit of, of judging? And if you aren't sure, then check your motives. What's your motive? What's the attitude of your heart? What do you hope to accomplish? What is your intent with the words that you are speaking? See, if your motive is to be a peacemaker, and it's your heart's desire to offer accountability, then the truth is you've got to be willing to receive that also. And so if the words you are speaking are words that you would not want to receive, words that you wouldn't want someone speaking to you or of you or about you, then your words may just be words that are judgmental, no matter how you choose to package them. See, when we catch ourselves using words that put others down, we need to stop and we need to ask ourselves, why am I doing what I'm doing? What's my intention here? Do I really want to offer harm? Or do I want to offer love? Do I want to react like Jesus? Jesus said the standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Pray with me.